This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Rob Ryan Red, a Wrexham FC podcast by Nathan Salt and Rich Faye, bringing you all the latest views, news and interviews from around the race course. Now, if you're new around here, Make sure to subscribe, but enough of that, let's get on with the show. Croissant, hello, thank you for joining us today on Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham podcast brought to you in association with Red 10 People Development. Two games, two wins, too much excitement at Aldershot, perhaps not enough on Tuesday night. I'm Rich Faye, and on today's podcast, we'll take a look back at Wrexham's latest wins, the changes made by Parkey in midweek, and look ahead to another decisive doubleheader in the National League title race. Once again, I am joined by Mr. Nathan Salt. How are you doing, mate? I'm not full of cold anymore, which is a boost. I did listen back to last week's podcast, and I could barely uh, get through. I had to keep muting my microphone because I was coughing so much, but I'm all right. Uh, things have things have gone okay. Got through a season of my career mode on FIFA 23 with Wrexham. Missed the playoffs in League 2. Board were not happy, but said they're going to give me another season, Rich. So, better things expected of me. Um, yeah, maybe I need to make some signings. So, let me know if you, if you know any gems on, on FIFA 23 from the lower leagues that I should be picking up. Let me know, because my Wrexham career mode was not uh, not great. But I'm fine. How are you doing? More to the point. Uh, yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much. Um, nice to be back at the Kairas to watch Wrexham win against Aldershot on Tuesday night. Very fitting that Pancake Day was flat, maybe in North Wales, because atmosphere was a bit tetchy, a bit tense, as you'd expect. The pressure is very high at the moment. I felt it reflected in the overall sort of atmosphere on Tuesday night. An obvious expectation for us to win. We did win a game that, you know, as long as you get the three points, it doesn't really matter how, how they come about. But, yeah, I think it's just about winning at this stage of the season. We can't be demanding too much performance-wise. The same old sort of maybe reoccurring worries about how vulnerable we are in central midfield, the fact that we're looking a bit light in, in some areas of the pitch, but, you know, Wrexham won, and we're in such a good position at the table. I don't want to be too doom and gloom and negative. If we win both our games in hand, we go top. And, yeah, I just feel it's a, quite an interesting mood at the moment, Nate, because the margins are so fine. And anything other than perfection is probably going to result in the playoffs. 
like I said to you last week on last week's podcast that it's that fear that one mistake now will be will be so damaging, right? And I think we'll learn a lot more after the Chesterfield game in hand. You know, that's one of our games in hand. The Yeovil game is scheduled now or is slated for, is it the 18th of April? So something like three or four games to go. So we're not really going to see that other game in hand for a while. But, you know, to make those games in hand count, you have to take maximum points. Anything less than maximum points will we'll be behind Notts County and, and it's no longer in our hands. So we'll learn a lot in that Chesterfield game, in that Scunthorpe game on Tuesday night, Rich. Yeah, I, you know, f- for a start, I thought they played well. And credit to Scunthorpe, I thought they, they played well. And even when we beat them at their place, they played some nice stuff, but I think they're improving all the time. And if they play like that for the rest of the season, I think they can get results. Um, you know, Rob Lainton made a number of good saves. They struck the post as well. They really came on to Wrexham and... and, and while they didn't get a result, I think they were unlucky um, on the nights of credit to them. But at this point, you just got to win games. We're not playing well, but we're we're getting points. You know, back-to-back wins. You can't really sniff at that too much. Aldershot was, you know, on, on the Saturday. That was that was a tough watch. You know, that was defensive mistakes we've not come to expect really um, with with the personnel we've had. A lot of chopping and changing in that area and clean sheet. You know, I banged on last week about the lack of clean sheet. Well, it had been one clean sheet since Boxing Day away at Gateshead. So to get a clean sheet gives you something to build on um, going into a run of home games now. So th- th- as I said, there's no real point um, getting too much into an inquest when, when you're winning games. Just see the issues, which is midfield right now. And I think there isn't an answer to not having Tom O'Connor. We're just going to have to do our best to get through without him. Um, Luke Young almost he, scored an absolute worldie the day before his birthday. Rich, you were right behind then the tech end. I thought it was in. I thought I thought he was going to pull off the Beckham at Wimbledon. It was uh, well a, a bar away from going in. It was absolutely brilliant, and I was going to just sort of, I did sort of in my podcast notes just make a reference to say just talk about Luke Young, wax lyrical about him. Like you said, happy birthday, Luke Young, for for yesterday when we're recording this. It is yeah thirty. The big three zero, and you is know, that is that still in is that still in prime? Te- what what would you say is a player's sort of changed, hasn't it? In the last few years, the cliche used to be you were in your prime between what twenty seven and twenty nine. That used to be your. Prime. I would say twenty eight is prime. Twenty eight is the prime. But then typically. you look and you see what like Benzema's doing, Modric is doing, even what Ronaldo was doing to a lesser extent last season. Messi winning the World Cup almost, you know, as the talisman of Argentina. I think just in terms of all sport, you look at tennis. You look at the who who's leading the way there. You look across I mean, even basketball, you know, against across all sports really. And we saw Tom Brady when he was winning the Super Bowl was it two years ago? Last yeah. Year? You know, yeah. there's just extra longevity in sport now. So I I don't really think you can fall into the cliche of when a peak is anymore. But yeah, Luke Young, I just want to wax lyrical about him because for all the money Wrexham has spent, we can't get away from that. But this is a trust signing who is the beating heart of this Wrexham team, who for me has been the best player this season, was my mile match on Tuesday night. Everywhere, once again, commanding his area of midfield. Yes, we were quite poor there, overall disjointed. But he is just he's just everything that encapsulates what, what is good about Wrexham. He's got that, that spirit, the work ethic. Work ethic. He's a quality player. Fans love him. He knows what it means. And he has been through so much since he joined the club. He's been in failed promotion bids. You know, he's been in mediocre teams. 
he's been the captain. He's publicly sort of lost out on the captaincy in that weird statement last season, but he still very much is the Wrexham captain. He's the man who gives everything first name on the team sheet. He's he's absolutely brilliant. And again, he's just... What I love is that when people say you've spent so much money, it's Hollywood FC. This is a lad from Torquay who works his nuts off every week. You know, a trust signing, someone who resembles the past but also the future and the current of Wrexham and yeah I just love love watching Luke Young I thought he was oh, he sounded like Dean Keats he loves it yeah yeah and he was so would he deserved to score from his own bloody half and we were joking when it yeah. hit the bar like that would have been the furthest Wrexham goal I've ever seen unless we're counting when Jocelyn Miebe conceded a goal kick away at Mansfield on TV yeah that was yeah that was not fun um but Luke Young's great because you need players like that in your team. Like you take him out. I think when we, you know, we hark back to Chesterfield, but you do miss his presence when he's not there. He adds a bit of bite to the midfield and he's got no airs and graces about him as well. He's just a very down to earth guy. He just gets on with his business. He's really well liked in the dressing room, you know, quite quiet. Maybe not one of the um, sort of, not an Oddly Palmer type who's, who's, who's more vocal and, and, and outgoing, but just does his talking on the pitch. Leads by example. Managers love him. Yeah, leads by example and, and you can see why why he's so highly respected. I just think, you know, we both agree, which wouldn't we, that it, in our strongest 11, you know, Luke Young would be in our midfield three, which I think speaks volumes, like you say, given the money that's been spent. You've got you know, Jordan Davis, who's come through as well. He, he's doing really well. He'd be in my um, strongest midfield. So I think, you know, two of the three strongest midfielders for me are, are guys that have been there, been around the block before um, Ryan Reynolds and, and Rob McLean even got involved. So... Yeah, Luke Young's having a fabulous season and it could have gone one or two ways at the start of the season as well. When he got left out at Chesterfield, it could have gone one or two ways. If that had have, you know, who knows what would have happened if, if that had gone really well that night and should have, could have, would have, we wouldn't have known. And he's just responded really, really well and, uh, you know, will be a big player now, especially with, with Tom O'Connor out because Tom O'Connor really was establishing himself, I think, as our, you know, as one of our best two, two players in the, in the team, if you think, with Paul Mullen up there as well. So a lot of the onus now is on Young to to do what he can in, in, in that midfield because, yeah, there's no escape in it. You know, against Stoldershaw, against Woking and against um, Scunthorpe, you know, we, we didn't quite didn't quite have that control that we'd had maybe in the weeks prior. That's the concern for me, really, is, like you said, we don't have Tony O'Connor, so the midfield is going to be different. What concerns me is, on another night, yeah, I think we could have been exploited because the midfield was quite loose, quite erratic, but we weren't. We still did enough to win, so you always have to push that to one side. I know it is concerning, but I just don't know what, what else we can do for now. Young and, and Jones... There's, no, there's nothing we can do. There's well, nothing Young and Jones remind me do. sort of, of... I've been writing today in my day job for Man United about Fred, about the possible role he could play against Barcelona. And there's a similarity there with James Jones that he's the type of player that when you're out of possession he's fantastic because he harasses, he harasses the opponents he's energetic he presses well and he's all over the place he's like a Duracell bunny him and Luke Young together though are just too similar I feel we just lack that control I think that we really need to find a way to get Cannon in the squad somehow uh, play more regularly if we can especially in these double game weeks you'd, you'd be saying Cannon has I was to be one of them Rich I was surprised you didn't start Tuesday I have to say that I thought I thought he would have been a shoe in on Tuesday, Cannon. Um, so I was surprised I would have liked by to that. Seen that because I, I like I said 
we know what he's capable of because we've seen it against us. We've seen in glimpses in the FA Cup tie, you know, how, how brilliant he can be. But we've still just not had a chance to see him properly unleashed. And I know that's sort of been the running theme with all of Parky's signings. You look at O'Connor, you look at Tunnicliffe, who were eased in and then became irreplaceable, really. I just feel we need to be trying something a bit different. I I can I know why I went for Young and Jones, because he trusts them. He knows exactly what he's going to get, but he also knows yeah. what he's not going to get. And that's that we don't have the same control and presence in midfield against another team that would have cost us, but it didn't. I, I We know Max Kluwer for Toza could potentially fill in in midfield. Mm. I just don't think we can do that at the moment while Hayden's out. So I think that's a bit if of a non-starter. I think what could be Richard, big, Ave, go I was going to get onto this anyway, was, you know, the highlight of the game for me was Jordan Davis coming back from injury. Yeah. And I think having him in midfield does give you more composure, does give you someone who's more of a constant presence in the sort of central midfield role. Because Elliot Lee, like we said, he loves to float about, pick up the ball left or right, just effortlessly sort of floats around the final third. Whereas I think Jordan is more of a centralised focal point which could yeah. could help. And of course, that would basically be our midfield from last season again as well. Well, I, I was going to say, you know, looking at Saturday, do you do you do something like Young, Young and Cannon, maybe as a double pivot and have Jordan sat in front? You know, that would give Elliot a rest ahead of Tuesday against Chesterfield. You know, is Jordan ready to start? We don't know yet. He came on at the end. Maybe they just want to build him up, get him half an hour, 45, maybe, but... You know, a midfield three of Young, Cannon and Davis. I would be intrigued to see that. I really would. I think there'd be a lot of technical ability in there. Maybe the double pivot would would kind of negate leaving Young with too much to do. Because I think people saying he's he's not adept like Tom O'Connor is in that deeper line midfield role. I think he's just been left too much to do. You know, some of the overloads on Tuesday night, I thought... And and even against Woking, when you had like um, Kyron Lofthouse and people bombing on, it was just two on ones usually, and it was just leaving that deeper player exposed. So, yeah, it, that that would be a midfield three that I would be intrigued to see, and that's not a knock on uh, Elliot Lee or James Jones or, or anything like that. But we've got such good midfield options that I think, especially with O'Connor out, maybe we need to just try and swirl the pot a little bit and just see what we've got um and I think Jordan you saw in that in that little cameo he made you know it was his shot that was spilled that Mullen ends up winning the second penalty from so you could see his impact you could see the kind of directness that he was playing with and um that's a huge boost and and you saw the reaction he got you know got injured in the Farnborough game there was real fear that that was a season ender in the moment you know you saw him in tears on the pitch and to have him back, and again, you mentioned him before, to have Tonicliffe back ahead of schedule. Um, yeah, but but it's really, really brilliant, that. And uh, key boost. And, the, and the, the the key now will be getting the rest of them back in time because, what is it, 12 games to go maybe? Or 15 games to go? I don't even know. I've lost count now. I can't, can't count them all. Um, whatever it is, more than a dozen games to go. 40. It's going to be tight, Rich. It's going it's gonna, to it's gonna be, be one hell of a run in this. It's not going to be that pretty a lot of the time. It's going to be quite uh, maybe watching through our hands, but just got to keep getting results. And I think Jordan Davis can be can be a big part in, in getting them. I suppose, Nate, another talking point from Tuesday was the fact that Rob Langton did come back into the side in goal. He got a 
fantastic reception from the tech end in particular. You know, a real sort of jubilant return for him. He made some big saves, like like you mentioned. Kept the clean sheet, which I know is a overall defensive effort. And, of course, Scunthorpe did come close to, to scoring themselves. But I suppose you can't really knock it other than that. Leighton offers something different, maybe a bit more of a physical presence in the back line, a bit more vocal. I think for a lot of fans just signifies safety, whereas Howard's got this re- reputation, maybe unfair reputation because he's had a few awkward moments, but he has been quite largely good for the majority of the season. The stats back that up as well, but Rob Layton, he's a favourite, isn't he? And fans love him and personally, you do just feel maybe safer with him in the back line, probably because he's got this catalogue and a long catalogue of, of reasons to back it up. Yeah, I mean, he absolutely hammered Liam McAlinden early in the game when I think McAlinden goes for a header, he miscues it, Scunthorpe in behind, almost score. You know, that was probably the best chance of the game at that point. He absolutely hammered um, McAlinden after that. He He's just he's just got more of a presence, I think. Just he's more commanding. He's a great shot stopper. It is unfair on Howard. You know, we were both saying that we would have stuck with Howard. Um have to say, after the older shot game, um, I don't think Howard helped his case in particular, particularly with the own goal. Um, but you know, you know, goalkeeper. Who would want to be a goalkeeper? Much like being a referee, who would want to be a goalkeeper? You're scrutinised for everything you do. But that's it. Now, if you want my opinion, Rich, I don't think he can. I don't think Parkinson can change back now. Um, I think you've got to go with Lainton. Until the end, you know, flip-flopping between your goalkeeper just won't instill confidence in anybody. Um, so aside from injury or anything like that, and we have got Bromley coming up, which seems to be Leighton's favourite ground to get injured at, um, you know, he, that might be it now for Mark Howard's season, um, which is a shame, but, you know, we're not in the business, I don't think of, well, Parkinson's definitely not in the business of massage any egos or sentiment or anything like that you know he's got a job to do get us up and um if he believes Lainton is the man I know a lot of people do also believe that but he's gone with it and and it's a big call and and one he's gonna have to stick by I think for the remainder of the season I agree and you know like you said we're not in a position to do what's you know to sort of people please are we we've got to make ruthless calls and the margins are so fine between going up and, and not going up you've got to play the percentages and Howard has had a good run. He's made some big saves. He's been apart from big wins, but the 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 older shot game. Sorry, obviously the own goal doesn't favour anyone because it happens in slow motion almost. And I, I I have sympathy with Howard for that one because he's already committed. His body weight's already gone to the left, and to get back and to get enough power in his hand to keep the ball out is far easier said than done. It, it looks comical and it looks, you know, awful because it happens so slowly. But I've got sympathy for Howard of that one. What annoyed me most was the second goal, really. I think it, it goes through him. I think he's just not got that presence, maybe, that Leighton's got. Leighton really smothers the ball. He races off his line, and he, he, he just puts that second of doubt in a striker's head because he's so confident and backs himself to, to stop the ball all the time. And it's psychological as much as anything, I think, what Leighton has that Howard doesn't. And like I said, I, I'm fully on board of, with that decision. And, you know... We just need to go up, and like I said, you can't really have favourites. You can't have players who, who are in the team just because they're nice people and they they've played well previously. You have to pick who are the best eleven players for each game. And right now, I think Linton is the best goalkeeper. So that's that's that. 
the other changes that we saw, Nath, we spoke pre-match. I think everyone was a little bit concerned to see the two switches at full-back. Hazana, so sad to see him go off 15, 17 minutes in after he'd only just come back from injury anyway. Real shame, and he looked really despondent, went straight down the tunnel. Macalinden, I think, grew into the game when he switched to the right flank, but for me, still an area of concern there at wing-back because he is so left-footed, he's just not suited to playing on the right that much. He just, it was just so obvious what he was trying to do all the time. And defensively, there were a few shaky moments as well. What did you make of the fullbacks? I mean, good that we managed to rotate and win, but as Wrexham fans who are pessimists, I suppose a, a little uh, seed of doubt for the rest of the season. I, you know, that is not a combination we will see again this season, Rich. You know, I, I, I really felt for Hosanna because of that those were his first minutes since he played against Aldershot at home back in November. He got 45 minutes there and came off. And and you could see, you know, he was down rubbing his right thigh. You know, is that another soft tissue injury? You know, another defensive injury, which is a real a, a real shame for him. And, and Parky said after that, you know, he'd had so much work with the medical team. You, I know there was this idea that he'd been rushed back, but he'd spent so much time working with the medical team, getting up to speed. You know, he was ready to be called upon when he needed to be. And, you know, personal problem um, for Anthony Ford. So we hope that's not too bad. We're sending our best wishes to him for whatever's happened there. Um... But yeah, so Ford pulled out, and then they were going to go with um, we're going to go with Hosanna, and obviously they decided to rotate Mendy uh, with Liam McAlinden. You know, you, if you want to pick holes in in Mendy defensively, I think you you could for sure. Um, but he's a he's just a far better player um, in that position than Liam McAlinden, and. Yeah, I, I, I don't think between now and the end of the season we'll see much of McAlinden at, at fullback. I would I would expect that Ford will be back in, McFadden's recovering from his injury. Yeah, and not an experiment I think we'll we'll see much more of Rich between now and Torquay away on the final day. Rich, so... You know, this weekend, the documentary derby, I guess you could call it. Um, Wrexham against Dorkin. I went to Dorkin away. Um, 5-0. Very good fun at the Meadowbank. Jacob Mendy scored. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, do go back and watch it. But there is a bunch of amateurs episodes. So the guys that film over at Dorkin, they do a documentary series. Brilliant on YouTube. Called a bunch of amateurs. Um, and you see all behind the scenes of their game plan for Wrexham and how they were targeting Mullin and, and Tozer and all that sort of stuff. Well... Earlier on in the season, we got the um, man behind, the brains behind Bunch of Amateurs, Rich, to come on and have a chat. And so I decided to repick his brains ahead of the return uh, and find out what's been going on at Dorkin. So here's my chat with uh, Rich from Bunch of Amateurs. Rich then, back on. Uh, we spoke very, very early on in the season before we came to Meadowbank. As you know by now, Bunch of Amateurs really really good and very much enjoyed that episode uh it, strange for a lot of us because you don't typically get to see inside the dressing you know we don't get to typically see an opposition manager's team talk so it was interesting seeing mark talk about the toes of throw talk about stopping mullin obviously mullin didn't score that day when we won five nil but what i guess starting off with a bunch of amateurs what's it been like this season in terms of how you've seen the reaction to it. It's obviously done very well years prior, but but what have you made of it this season? We are seeing 
a better incremental growth this season in terms of viewers because of the crowd sizes of the clubs that we're visiting. So we're getting decent boosts, the game against yourselves, the Oldham match, um, Chesterfield. Um, those fan bases have been exposed to the show and that's been a real boon for us. Um, I think interestingly, we get really positive reception from pretty much every club and we get really nice messages but then when we go to their grounds we get total dogs abuse and I think it's kind of meant um, with a bit of uh, humour um, but the you can shove your TikToks um, song is now <laughs> ubiquitous around every ground we go to and I take that as a compliment because you know before I started this you know the idea of somebody singing a song in a big group of people um, about the work that I'm doing would just blow my mind. So I'm totally, I'm all for it. You're like, go ahead and sing. Um, but yeah, when I'm walking around pitches and stuff, I am getting a bit of stick. Um, but I think, you know, as Mark keeps saying to me, it just means they're watching. So <laughs> I'm fine with that. Um, exactly. But yeah, it is different. I think just the, the sheer volume of people um, is, is the key thing. And we've just got the challenge to me is to make those people stick and to keep them watching. Um, because I don't just want to see these peaks when we play big clubs. I want to I want to drag them in and, and keep them really. Oh yeah, and, and plenty of Wrexham fans who hopefully listen to us have, have, have said how much they enjoyed it. And I've seen it all over Twitter and all that sort of stuff. But I guess <clears throat> I guess um, you know I don't want to dwell on it too much. But there was issues when Wrexham went to um, Dorking. Mm. That was you know that was well known at the time, and we called that out and. You know, other people were kind of condemning that. But I would say, I won't make Rich go on about too much, but I would say, if you do see the guys at Wrexham of the weekend, just just all have a bit of fun. If you want to have a bit of stick, as you say, that's all cool. But let's not let's not take it too far, like we took it at uh, Medibank yeah, with, with kind of method about the cameras and stuff. Yeah, I would just, you know, on, on that point, um, it wasn't a fun experience for us. The lads behind the goal did make our lives very, very difficult. Um but the response that I got, because I wasn't really sure whether to say anything. And when I when I did, I was still unsure whether that was a good idea. But the response that I got from the Wrexham fans was absolutely brilliant. And I got loads of DMs. I, we got loads of responses to the tweet and loads of DMs of people saying they were so sorry or that they didn't want that to be reflective of the club as a, as a whole. And surprisingly for me, that's kind of how I felt about it. I felt like, okay, there's a handful of youngsters doing what youngsters do at football matches but they really and I, I don't like it the term it's a it's just a minority because I think well it's that's kind of irrelevant but in this case it really did feel like that to me afterwards and um, I had nothing but positive things to say about you know Wrexham fans in general and um, I'm really looking forward to going to the ground because I think they'll they'll understand more than any other club what it's like for a documentary crew to have to try and do their job there Um so no, it's, it, it didn't leave a bad taste. It did on the day. I had a really bad taste on the day, but uh, you know, certainly once once people got in touch to say, um, you know how how you know disappointed they were to hear that and and to try and sort of change the narrative a little bit, and um, it certainly worked because I, I I felt very differently about it the next day. Well, it was a really good trip for us because Mark had put some money behind the bar, which he's done a few times now for mm. for different teams coming down. We had a good day out there. We won, obviously, so that was. Um, always good for us yeah, but yeah. um you know coming up to the race course as well i mean we were joking before we came on 
the only team to beat Notts County this season was Dorking. And while you've, safe to say, struggled on the road, I think you're probably one of the, if you were doing a home and away table, I think you're down the bottom in terms of the away the away games. Who knows? I don't know. You've, you've beaten Notts County and that's the only game they've lost. So you'll be bang up for it, I, I assume, at the weekend. Yeah, I think last night's going to have helped. Um, Dorking have have struggled over the last couple of months they were going hell for leather for the first few months and they were conceding but they're also scoring and the last four or five weeks or so um they've been conceding fewer goals but not scoring any and mark's made some changes he's brought a few players in um and i think we're beginning to see the effects of that and last night you know scoring three times after going all year without a goal um, you know, it, it cheered everybody up and it, it reminded them all of what they're capable of, particularly the first goal, which was a proper dorking goal. In the time that I've been going to film them, I've seen a lot of goals like that, but not this season um, where they've passed it around, they've been patient and they've carved open a chance and slotted it in. And I think that's indicative of how I think the the last section of the season is going to go for them and taking the pressure off them a little bit not only geeing up their confidence, I'd never seen a Dorking team low on confidence until recently, um, but seeing that confidence coursing through their veins again. And, you know, it's when you go to teams at the top of the league as a side in Dorking's position, I think um, you tend to think, well, you know, we're not going to get much here. Let's have some fun with it at least. And they can do that now because they've got three points against Torquay and it puts them in a much stronger position to to go and have some fun. And Mark's obviously got some good ideas about how to deal with Wrexham. Um, he was he, he was saying about, uh, I think Wrexham are guaranteed 1.4 goals a game from set pieces or something is his latest stat. It was something like that. So um, he thinks if he can stop the set pieces, then uh, Dawkins are definitely going to win. So <laughs> we'll uh, see. Hey, look, I think if, if, he, if when he watches the film for, for the Scunthorpe game, I'm sure he'll be very encouraged because they gave it a right go and, you know, lost out to two penalties in the end. They'll, they'll consider themselves unfortunate. Yeah. I'll be interested to see what Rob and Ryan do in return because I know they were very gracious, thanking Mark for, you know, his mm. um, hospitality for the Wrexham fans. Sure, yeah, I don't like saying great day out, but it, the Dorking fans would go up. I'm sure they'll be well backed and it will be a, a good day for as long as it's nil nil, I guess. Um, but I'd be interested <laughs> to see. Well, well yeah, it will be because I think, you know, we're saying to Rich as well, um, a co host, that there's a, there's a tension in the air now that teams like Dorking and Scunthorpe, anybody who plays Wrexham and Notts County, there's that tension as long as it's nil nil. You know what I mean? Because they know that. Both are going tit for tat. They can't lose any points. So, you know, if you're walking, and like I said, we'll maybe get on to some of those newer players that have come in, but they've got to they've got to have belief. That they get the crowd on side. That's half the battle, I think. Yeah, it is. Uh, the the Dorking crowd gets where Dorking have come from, and at the start of the season, the as excited as Mark gets about nailing every division that he goes into. At the start of the season, he knew full well the priorities just to survive. Finishing fifth from bottom was the, was what he needed to do. And the fans get that for the vast majority of them. And even when they were two or three nil down against Aldershot, they're still singing, they're still vocal, they're still behind him. So they never really have a challenge of winning those fans over or, or keeping them happy because they get it. They know the position Dorkin are in and they're just happy to be there. So 
I think I think Mark's team talk will be a little bit about the tension and trying to make sure that they stick it on Wrexham a bit and make the most of the fact that they've got you know nothing to lose and the longer it goes on at nil nil the tougher it's going to get on Wrexham so I think those things will be factors for him and but like I say the, the atmosphere has changed a bit after yesterday I think in terms of um, people worrying and now it's a bit more about well we can go to Wrexham and enjoy ourselves so, so I think we're probably going to see that well you know it, it the way it played out we won 5-0 and, and Alfie Rutherford got injured in that in that game so that was the well, last time we we were at Dorking you know the star striker had got injured still seemed like McShane scoring goals but maybe a bit of an update for the fans on on Alfie Rutherford and, and what's happened to him because I know that was a devastating injury on the day yeah, it was. Um, funnily enough, I, I was chatting to Alfie last night. Um, he's just had his knee operation. That had to be delayed because he's had an ongoing heart issue um, and he had to have a valve put into his heart, I think, something like that. Um, and he had to have that operation before he was 28 or 26, something like that. And he's only 22 or something now. So they saw the opportunity. Look, I'm going to be out for a year, so let's get the heart thing done now. And then we'll get the knee thing done and I knew he'd had the heart up and it had gone well and he was recovering but I don't think they wanted to do the knee thing straight away no surgeon wanted to put him straight back under so I was I was like I hope they hurry up and get that knee thing done so when I saw him yesterday on crutches it was like finally like we're getting there so he's now properly on the road to recovery and he's really like laid back about it you know I was asking him I wasn't doing an interview but I was asking him questions um, as if I was doing an interview um, and and kind of grilling him on it. And, you know, at the moment it's painful and swollen, but he knows he can be walking within a month and then he'll be running within a couple of months or whatever. So, you know, not running, but certainly doing some work on it. And um, he's not freaking out or or worried about the future. He's just accepting, as he keeps saying, it is what it is. Let's, you know, get on with it. So um, it's not so bad for him. I think he's probably accepted that he's missed out on a year He's missed out on a really important year um, career-wise, but, you know, there's plenty more. He's young enough that there's plenty more to come. So Definitely. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, he will, he will bounce back even stronger. We've seen lots of people get really horrible injuries and bounce back. Who, who, are, the, who are some of the new faces? Then? So since route for us at Meadowbank, a lot's happened. A lot of moves have been made. You've, end up, you've even got some US investment now in the... Uh, you've, you've joined the... The, the bandwagon, as it is, yeah. so it is. Um, not quite Hugh Jackman or Tom Hanks, but uh, US investment. But but what are the new faces on the pitch, I guess, that we should be looking out for? So uh, George Frankham um, has signed. I think he, I get a bit mixed up with this. I think he was Crawley um, and uh, the captain, I think, at Crawley. He signed and is a, a CDM slash defender. Um, and he's, you know, League, League Two, League One level at least. So... Um, he's brought a lot of solidity uh, to the team and leadership. Um, Tony Craig, who's ex-Millwall and Palace. So, um, you know, he won't be getting too many nice comments from me as a Charlton supporter um, in the narration. <laughs> but uh, he's he's a proper old school defender. Mark gave him man of the match last night because he, um, he brought a level of uh, nous, I think, that the defence has been missing for a while so those are the two key additions Matt Briggs has just come back into the team he's been out for a year and he's probably Dawkins I mean it, it's hard to put a pin on into who's the best player but I think Matt Briggs is probably technically um, the player that would play at the highest level out of that squad if he wanted to 
Um, but because of his own career, he's always stuck with non-league and part-time, but he's capable of playing at least League Two, League One level. Um, so him coming back into the team has been a real boost. Um, Josh Taylor's been out for 10 weeks. He's, you know, a key part of the midfield. So he's come back in. So it's a combination of signings and and um, recovering players have, have kind of changed the, the first 11 uh, quite considerably, which is you know a really positive thing going into the final final third. So so we'll have a little bit of time to wait before the the episode from the weekend comes out. You know that will be a bit further down the line. But if people are just discovering a bunch of amateurs, which where have you been? But if you are, what's been some of the good narrative this season? I know there's lots of different episodes and you know all the games, but any maybe certain parts that, that really stood out to you that maybe you thought were really really intriguing really good little little storylines that pop, popped up yeah I, I think I mean, part of the reason that we go we're eight weeks behind is so that I can see what is going to happen in the future and it helps me pick out the storylines that are happening now if you know what I mean so um looking at the adversity that they've got to deal with which has never been a thing for Dorking is probably the key theme for me particularly as we're heading into a series of episodes now where they lose pretty much every game for six weeks in a row or something like that. There's a draw and then six defeats, something like that. Um, so figuring out how to approach that with the players and with the management and tell that story without making anyone feel bad, you know, without being too negative. Um, that's a big challenge for me, but that, that is the key theme at the moment is adversity and how Mark deals with the handful of supporters that are being critical on social media um because that just rolls him up and that just makes him want to win even more um and how the fans that are still supporting him you know wholeheartedly um how they're dealing with it the fact that you know it's a struggle at the moment um you know what i think's really interesting is that mark can't lose the dressing room because he owns the club so and not that he would because they all believe in him and because they all understand where the club is at right now um, but I, there aren't many clubs on this planet, let alone at this level, where the owner and the manager are the same. And if things go wrong with the players, it will be the players that were to go or to get dropped. And it won't be the manager who has to think, all right, it's time for me to go. There won't be an owner going, right, we're getting rid of him. It will be him going, do you know what? That's not working. So you're all out and I'll get these guys in. And it's, that for me is the most interesting part of this. Um, but getting Mark to talk about that's really hard because he'll give me a lot of footballer um, answers and he's very, very good at not talking about stuff he doesn't want to talk about. So getting into how he feels is also a major challenge for me. Um, and getting him to talk about the fact that it can't go wrong for him. He will always be there um, as he should because he's done such a good job and he's definitely not reached his level yet. So um, yeah, that that adversity and the intricacies that go behind that adversity and what's going on because of it. Um, that's that's really what's what's fascinated me the most. I think it might break the internet if Rob and Ryan end up getting rid of Phil Parkinson and <laughs> going full Ted Lasso. I think that might actually break that in known as a documentary would uh, would get un- unbelievable ratings. But it will be documentary derby at the weekend. Bunch of amateurs want to keep an eye on. Just go watch the channel. Loads of great episodes. I very much enjoyed the uh was it the season opener against Chesterfield where the goalkeeper gets sent off? That was uh 
Yeah, so you can tell I've been paying attention there. Yeah, um, but go watch that on YouTube. Bunch of amateurs. It'll be in the description as well. Um, you're looking forward to the game. They're looking forward to coming up. I mean, it'll be 10,000 crowd. Uh, it'll be nervy one for the home fans, but we'll see. I think, you know, it'll be, like you say, free hits always a bit daft because you, you need to get points. But you, you are going up there with no expectation from anyone outside of maybe Dawkins to get anything. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And I think for all of us, it, it, you can get overawed by that situation. When, when we were at Oldham is probably the biggest comparison. Um, I was standing there in front of a massive, you know, bank of seats that was packed. To, and just and the crowd at the other end, like it was as a Charlton supporter, it was like being at a championship match. And I'm looking around thinking, blimey, I'm on the pitch. BT are here. Like, this is, this is mad. Um, and we're going to feel that again this weekend. So the challenge for Mark, I think, will be to get his players to forget about all of that because it doesn't happen to them very often playing in front of that level of, of support. Um, and it was definitely be a challenge for me and my guys filming because it's like focus, try and ignore the fact that there's 10,000 people <laughs> who can see us right now. Like it's no different. It's the same size pitch. There's two dugouts over there. There's a dressing room. It's the same shoot that we do every week. Um, just try and ignore the fact that there's this many people here. So you know, we're really looking forward to it coming up Friday night so that we can start early Saturday. Um, it's going to be a good weekend. So Rich, they're looking forward to it. Rich, Rich is looking forward to it. The other Rich, uh, lots of Riches, too many Rich, 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 Rich. Um, but he's looking forward to it, and and I think he's right as well. You know, they will have very little to lose. They're going to come and try and get the crowds tense, get them nervous, and and see, and they'll have a good go. And if they get beat, they get beat. But you know, the the only team this season to beat Notts County is Dorking. So it would probably be the most Dorking storyline of all to beat Notts County, beat Wrexham and and end up, you know, near the bottom of the table. So one to one to keep an eye on, I think for sure it's a potential banana skin, definitely. Every game feels like a banana skin, doesn't it, when when you're in our situation. I'm sure we definitely uh, make a case every week for, for Wrexham to drop points to some degree, but it's you've got to give respect to them. I do admire a lot about what Dawkins have done. Their entire story is, you know, fascinating and and brilliant. I oddly enough my friend from Denby is in the Dorking away end this weekend because when he was at uni, he, he stumbled across a bunch of amateurs and right. he has followed their rise up to where they are now in the National League and he's just become a Dorking fan. So there's there's going to be someone from Denby in the away end on, on Saturday, which just sort of sums up the madness of the National League, really. And yeah, it's... But it Rich, that also shows the power of documentary. You know, very, very quickly, it's like we, you know, we get a lot of messages about... They watched Welcome to Wrexham. They were blown away by that. They really got to grips with the team. You know, you can imagine watching a bunch of amateurs a few years ago and Dorking were down the divisions and following that all the way through. Of course, you'd be hooked. So as as strange as it is that someone from Denby is going to be in the away end, I think, you know, without... Um, it's like the reverse Wrexham, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is really, really good. And also the the Wrexham episode, you know, just seeing in the Dorking dressing room before the game, you know, and seeing their team talk, I just thought that was great. I thought that was really, really interesting. And uh, well, of course, they said the manager said, didn't they, before that game, that Wrexham were a one-man team. It was basically stop yeah. Paul Mullin and you'll win. Paul Paul Mullin didn't score in a five-nil win, so I think they learned the the story the hard way. Yeah. Interesting again to to bring up sort of Dorking's form this season. Only nine points on the road, which is the second worst away record, yeah. um, sort of in the league. 
I, I mean, you, you can always make the case that Wrexham will have it tough. They certainly will. They, they can't be getting too cocky and, and overconfident. But yeah, I, I, I can't see anything other than a Wrexham win this weekend. I, and they just and we need to. We just need to. There's just no expectation. Uh, no, no excuses. Sorry, we have to win. That is just as simple as it as, as it goes. And I've got the faith we, we can do so. I suppose now for the, the question from our point of view is what changes would you make for the weekend? I was surprised that Sam Dolby wasn't rewarded with a start on Tuesday night against Scunthorpe. I think yeah. he should start this weekend. Ollie Palmer. I think some fans are almost not not turning on Ollie Palmer at all because you know he's given so much for the club and he has been brilliant as as an addition. But things just haven't quite gone his way at the moment, and just Palmer's entire approach of sort of being selfless out of possession, chasing down loose balls and. And, you know, just put himself about there, making himself knackered as well. When he's not scoring goals, it can be used against him. And there's some sort of, not the the majority of fans, but there were some comments made towards him on Tuesday night, which I felt were unfair. He's been through a lot as well. And I think that it's just time really to to get Dolby up to fitness and to to be starting games. Because we've seen what an impact he can make off the bench. He's a fantastic super sub, but I just want to see Dolby starting games really now as well. Yeah, no, look, I, I think, and also it, it might, you know, light a fire inside Palmer again, that he wants to get that shirt back and, you know, that, that could be a real battle that brings the best out of both of them, you know, and uh, I think Dolby's been knocking on the door, you saw in that celebration at Aldershot, Mullen, you know, embracing him, I love that, that you know, I really, really love that clip of, of Mullen embracing uh, Dolby at the end, that was really, really good, Um and and yeah, I think I think it'd just be good to see him get that start. You know, we've seen him with Mullen at Coventry; they look really good together up there. Um, and you know, Palmer and Mullen have looked great for months and months. But I would be happy to see that change for sure, Rich. I would hope that we see Anthony Ford back in, depending on what what's happened there. Um, I would have Mendy start in. Yeah, Lainton back three. I would go as it was. I would just stick with um, Tunnicliffe, uh, Toza, and Max, and I would let. Owen O'Connell's Achilles um, just rest up a little bit more. I would get Andy Cannon. Now, I would basically go Dolby and Cannon. They'd be my main changes um, in terms of just the regulars. I would I would probably not rush Jordan back in for 90 minutes or to start maybe. If he feels fit enough to start, I would definitely start Jordan. But I would go Young, Cannon and Lee. And I would get Jordan on for maybe half an hour, 35 in the second half. Um, and, and maybe swap him for Elliot. So... Just it all depends how the game goes, but I think if we can get Andy Cannon in, get him a, a big game because we need to go into that Chesterfield game with, I think, as many form players as we can, Rich. And um, you know that starts on Saturday. And and what I should say as well, it's Saturday is the Memorial game, so there'll be um, I would assume a minute silence. I hope, I hope it's a silence and rather than an applause, but it'll be a period of reflection um, for you know Wrexham fans that have lost their live lives in the last uh, twelve months. So. I think by the time this is out, you might have missed the deadline to get names read out, but I think you can still submit for the website. I think they're going to put a piece on the website. I think that's right. Um, so, you know, and also if 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 that deadline has passed and you want to get somebody shouted out on next week's podcast, then email us, robryanred at gmail.com or, you know, DM us on Twitter or Facebook or whatever it is. Um, because, you know, it's important as well that we reflect on, on those that aren't um, around anymore and... and and have passed on so yeah so Saturday is the memorial game and uh you know as much as it's a period of reflection 
Um, hopefully after that we can go on and, and get a big three points because we just need to keep winning, Rich. You know, not scans, you're not slowing down, you know, credit to them. I'm not one that's engaging too much in um, the various back and forths. They're, they're a very good team, as are we, and all you can say is may the best team win right now. It's still in our hands and we've got to keep keep going, keep the wheels turning. That's the thing, isn't it? I, I, you can't help to a degree by mentioning them and getting somewhat sort of drawn into the the title race shenanigans as it were but ultimately if we win all our games then we we win the league and that's that's, that's how it should be and i know it's cliche when you hear managers or players come out after a game and say we're only focused on the next game it's the next game in hand that literally has to be the mentality you've got to block out all the noise from around you've got to try and ignore what they're doing because it ultimately the Notts county score doesn't matter as long as wrexham aren't winning do you know what I mean we just have to focus on what Wrexham are doing and again goes back to that Dean Keats interview we did Nafe, uh, where he said that you know the the race course can be such an, an advantage when we're playing at home because the support really is the stereotypical 12th man and games like Tuesday night I fully understand that we didn't play well and that it was a poor performance but it was a poor performance in which we still won 2-0 mm. maintain yeah. this unbeaten home record and there's going to be some edgy moments. We're fantastic in the big games. I think next Tuesday against Chesterfield will be excellent. I think we've been done at a somewhat disadvantage as well that last season, most of the big games were home Tuesday nighters. And we've not really had that this season. I think next Tuesday against Chesterfield will be dif- different. It will feel special. But it is these Saturday games that we expect to win and where there's a bit of an air of entitlement, which all stems from the expectation, the pressure on us. It's all understandable. And, you know, these Wrexham fans have worked hard during the week to be able to afford to get to the race course, the hottest ticket in town, and they want to be entertained. So it's totally understandable when we're frustrated and when things aren't going quite as quite our way on the pitch. But without being a happy clapper, we do need to support the team and try and we turn spur in, them Have we on. turned into happy clappers on these since we've been doing the We're like the artists think- of Arsenal fan TV, aren't we? Well, I mean, they get lots of traffic, so maybe we maybe we're in the we're in the wrong uh, we're in the wrong sphere in the wrong business. But I would just say that, you know, it it was you have to call a spade a spade. It wasn't it wasn't a good, but it wasn't very entertaining. But it was a win nonetheless. And at the end of the day, Rich, all that people will chalk up is whether we go up or not. That's all the season will be down to. We might remember key moments. There'll be games that. You know that stand out for you or goals that stand out, but ultimately a Tuesday night against Gunthorpe is not going to live long in the memory, no matter how well you play. In in my opinion, you just got to keep going. You know, and and for me, you, you just got to. We can't look ahead too much, but I think the defining games for me coming up will be the three away games that I don't know if I'll make all three, but Maidenhead away is going to be tricky. Dagenham away on a Tuesday is going to be tricky, and Bromley away. You know, so there are there are games coming up where. Well, we can't look too far ahead that there are some serious tests, I think, to come of this group. And I have to say, I just pray for no more injuries. That's all I want now. I just want to get as fully fit a squad as we can. Um, well, that's the thing for me, Nate, because that's that's the worry. That's that's where I feel like hope is fading, is that it's injuries. It's not necessarily our quality. It's that, it's that it's the injuries are just piling up. Uh, that's what worries me, because... At the end of the season, if you if you if you've given it your best and you hold your hands up and you you didn't win the league, then fair enough. It's when if we miss out on the league because of injuries or we miss out on promotion because of injuries, because that's how last season felt. We knew we were the second best team. 
we were the informed team, maybe, okay, not across the last three games, but certainly going into the playoffs. We had such momentum behind us. But then it was, well, if Hayden was fit, then we, you know, we, we'd go up potentially. Mm. And it just felt like we just didn't have that luck. Obviously, Leighton was missing as well. We'd lost two huge, huge players and personalities, and it really devastated the squad, really. And again, you know, whatever happens, as long as Wrexham give it their all, then we can really have no complaints. You know, we have to just give it our best. But if our best isn't good enough, then you hold your hands up and that's just fair enough. There was a better team throughout the season. What would really annoy me is if it did sort of stem down to injuries again, because that is just hugely unfair and taken out of our hands again. For no, no matter how much money you spend, if you've not got the players available to play on the pitch, then then that is just ultimately you know beyond your control. So, yeah, fingers crossed for that one. Fingers crossed that Wrexham can keep on churning away and getting these wins. Doesn't matter how they come as long as, long as we get them. And speaking of which, Nath, not just. Saturday against Dorking, Chesterfield at home next Tuesday. They did a job on us when we met them earlier in the season away at their place. I think we've changed a lot since then. They certainly have as well. It was being yeah. talked about as a sort of free team title race at that stage. Chesterfield are now without a win in seven. Four straight defeats followed by three straight draws. I mean, it's turned from a game in which obviously you'd expect to be a tight one to there's going to be a huge outcry if Wrexham don't win that. Yeah, I'd, I mean, look, they've still got a lot of really talented players and they've also been hit with injury um, in a weird way. And I, we'll get to my chat with Dave from Legends of the Spire podcast shortly. But I spoke to him on Monday before they played Wealdstone and um, we were talking about actually it could work to their advantage that they know they're in the playoffs you know, they, they know that, well, provided they don't mess it up, they muck it up, then that's on them. But they know now that they've got to try and get the mistakes out of their game and they're trying to work out how to bed Ryan Colclough in. Can't quite seem to work that out at the minute. Are they, are they persisting with Joe Quigley? Are they going to go now with Paul McCallum up top? What to do with Dobra, Mandeville, Banks? I mean, Rich, that game back early in the season, it was chucking it down with rain. I don't think you brought a coat. Um, we were getting... Did, I think when we got there, people were trying to say they, they were in the seat. Oh, it, was a, it was all, it was just chaos all around, multiple flares. Uh, Rob McElhenney was there with Caitlin and the family, and it, it was just a disaster. But, you know, a lot has changed since then, um, hell of a lot. And, yeah, we'll be favourites to win that game. And, and the key, I think, will be that they, like, if we play like we did uh, on Tuesday night, last night, um, they will have the quality with people like Dobra and Mandeville and Banks and Cole Clough to punish you more than Scunthorpe did, you know, admittedly. So we'll see. But but that is that'll be the one, Rich, where yes, we'll be expected to beat Dorkin. I think we will beat Dorkin. But given Chesterfield is one of our games in hand, that that will tell us a lot, I think, because that will either keep it in our hands, that will hand the advantage to Notts County. That's gonna be a big night, Rich. And uh, you know, under the lights, Tuesday night lights. It's going to be a biggie. So I thought, well, let's pick the brains of um, Dave from Legends of Spire. So here is my chat from earlier in the week with Dave. Dave, then, Legends of the Spire podcast, Great Chesterfield podcast probably better when you first played us because you dominated us uh and you know i've said all season that was 
our worst display by far. We don't want to go back to that. I think the flares were probably our most entertaining part of that. <laughs> in, uh, nothing else really happened for us, did it? But but what's happened in the last six games? Winless in, in six games for Chesterfield. Shamanga's gone. Try and, if you can, any Wrexham fan that's not paid attention to anyone outside of Not County, what's happened? What's, what's going wrong? Well, I think the first half of the season, we had... Uh a very confident team and all of the players were were scoring. I think we've had something like 15, 16 different scorers in the team. So they were all chipping in. We've not got a Mullin. We've not got a Langstaff. We had a Shemanga, but I think when he nearly went in the August transfer window, he then apparently had a, a bit of a strop for a, a week or two because he didn't get that move, which psychologically you can understand if you don't get a move to a championship club. I think that probably uh, Paul Cook puts a lot on trust with his players, I think that kind of broke down. So he, he was kind of playing second fiddle to Joe Quigley, who is nowhere near up to Shimanga's standards uh, or lots of other strikers in this division. Um, so I think for the first half of the season, we were coping quite well in terms of having a real spread of goal scorers and a style of play that was working. I think the problem is sometimes with a Paul Cook team is that he relies on a very fluid team where he likes players to make their own decisions and have their own creativity and things like that. I think when you then hit a sticky patch where confidence comes into play, sometimes you just want quite a rigid grind out a nil-nil, grind out a one-nil. I don't think you really ever get that with Paul Cook teams. You kind of so I think it's this process now where he's got to kind of build their confidence up again. At the same time we're trying to uh we've got McCallum come in so we're trying to introduce a new striker into the squad and he's been really good so far um and ash palmer has come in to partner jamie grimes in defense which they don't really suit each other i don't think uh that well so he's trying to remodel it a little bit i think uh with the new signings cold clough as well uh but at the moment it's just the confidence thing but at the same time you look at it on paper and you go wow they've not won since like what is it 24th of january or something like that um but actually, in all the games, apart from Woking, we've had a higher XG, higher amount of passes, you know, higher amount of penalty box entries or whatever, all these stats they come up with nowadays. So the, the, you kind of look at the stats and you go, I think we should have scored something like 11 goals by the XG and we've scored three, two, one, something like that. So I think we just need a, we just need a lethal striker, but I think it's a, a confidence thing at the moment. So I'm, I'm confident we'll get back on track. Yeah, well, like I said to you before before we started, you know, you sort of know now that you are going to be in that playoffs if you if you can sort of stop this and this doesn't go on for too much longer. You know, you've you've played Barnet, you lost there, we've seen and they are looking good, you know, and we've still got to play them away. Woking, you know, they gave us a torrid time at the race course and, and, and beat you, you know, yourselves as well. They know how to manage the clock really well. Going forward with this squad, I mean, you've added Paul McCallum there. He's been a thorn in our side for a while and, and is, and, you know, you don't tell Wrexham fans, is an upgrade on, on Joe Quigley. Is, is he going to be that, that that starting striker ahead of Armando Dobra now? Because really, when we were first scheduled to play, you in, in, in January time, you were in a much better nick and that was mm. still two teams going for the title. Now, I don't know, I guess pressure's off a bit more on you guys to kind of, Again, do do what Woking did and come and try and spoil the party. Yeah, totally. I think there was a bit of change in formation. We were kind of playing a four-one-four-one or a four-three-three, however you'd look at it, um, which was really, really successful. Got a lot of results from it. And then we signed Ryan Colclough, who is obviously one of the best wingers in the division. And it was suddenly a oh, let's go back to my traditional four-two-three-one. 
and have Dobra, Colclough and Mandeville behind a striker. But that suddenly left two very exposed centre midfielders. So I think it's kind of a... Uh, and recent games, he's kind of gone back to the 4-3-3 and Colclough's gone to the bench. So I think they'll be kind of rotating around a bit. I think, like you say, the in a way, it's quite nice not to be in the in a three-horse race because I'm trying to look at it as a glass-half-full kind of person like I think I am. Uh, if two heavyweights are going to slog it out until May, then my thought is if we can be comfortably third, which I, I think we can be comfortably third, I still feel, um, then it might just give us a bit of a an easier psychological run into the playoffs. We know we're going to be in the playoffs. We know our target will be to win the playoffs and not to win the title. So I I, I feel for you and less for Notts County because I don't really like them that much, but I feel for you more um, because someone is going to miss out from that and then it's going to be a really tough ass coming up against a Barnet or a South End. Uh, or someone like that. And like you say, this probably was going to be a, a real pressure cooker match um, if we were trying to keep up. Um, but now it almost feels like a bit more of a free hit for us. Uh, whereas obviously for yourself, there's pressure between you and Notts County not to even drop one point, let alone uh, let alone anything else. So so yeah, it'll be, it'll be an interesting game. I've no doubt we'll probably get, we might end up getting more shots and playing really well. Uh, up at your place and we'll probably, you know, we'll probably get 12 shots to your six and you'll win three nil. That's kind of how it's gone <laughs> at the moment over the last few weeks. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you, you know, you've seen both at different points in the season, but you know, and you, and you're on a Rex podcast, I know, but we've seen Rex from Notts County. Was there a, a, any distinction between the two? Did you, did you think, you know, we were really poor on the day and, and, and Notts County, you maybe equally were were weren't impressed with. I mean, could you see there that there are players, lots of players that maybe are at the higher level that that, that will get us over the line because we think, you know, we've got the best strike in the division in Paul Mullin. They would say they've got the best in Macaulay Langstaff. Obviously Langstaff scored against you. So no, just your thoughts on what you'd seen on on the two teams. I think it's interesting. I think the difference between the two teams up there first and second at the moment and us, certainly from the first half of the season, is that when when you guys scored, you'd go up a gear rather. So you'd get a lead and then you'd go up a gear and you'd try and, you know, finish them Mortal Kombat style. Whereas we'd be the opposite and almost we'd go a goal up and like, phew, right, we're a goal up and then kind of take foot off the gas a little bit. I think, like you say, both both teams are very different, aren't they? In contrasting styles, it's fair to say. But I think I think all this talk about, you know, Notts County being this silky pass from the back Or I mean, we didn't really see that when they came to the Pro Acts. They were a bit of a long ball team, to be honest, which counter, countered us quite well because we are susceptible to counterattacks. I just feel that the the people that you brought into Wrexham and the experience of your boss, who might not be the, uh, you know, universally thought of as the best coach in the world but I think he's got the experience to kind of be able to handle that pressure uh, as you get to that part of the season so I kind of I think Wrexham will win it personally I'd prefer lovely, to lovely play, stuff I'd, lovely I'd stuff I'll cut you off there because you'd rather prefer to win not <laughs> there you go because I cut you off final. before you spoil it for me there um, <laughs> David then lastly what what you know I know we're speaking before you play Wealdstone isn't it on Tuesday mm, yeah so speaking for them 
What what is the expected team news? Is Jeff King's suspension will he be over then? Are we expecting McCallum to start? We've got a return of Joe Quigley, Asante Dobra. What what what's the situation? Mm. Ollie Banks, all these kind of players you've got that, that people will know. Who can we expect? And what's the goalkeeping situation? Because at the minute I've seen a lot of talk of Covell and Fitzsimon. It's all what can we expect really team wise? Yeah. No, we've got this game on Tuesday. So Covalan, as you know, is a bit crazy and uh, you can't really trust him. <laughs> He's absolutely mad. Um, uh, I think uh, there was a, a, a situation where Covalan was put in net and Fitzsimons then said he wanted to go to Scunthorpe because I think they offered him an 18-month contract or something like that and he's only on for the rest of the season. So I think that took him out of this team for a little bit. But Fitzsimons will start in net, I'd imagine. He might spring a surprise there. Um, Jeff King will probably be back in. He was... He's dropped in form, to be honest, uh, but I think he'll probably come back into it. He got sent off against Notts County, so that counted as, although he got two yellows and a red, it only counted as one yellow or, or something. So I think he's got one. If he gets carded in uh, either against Wealdstone on Tuesday night or Oldham on Saturday, he'll miss Wrexham because uh, he'll get a two-game ban coming up. Um, McCallum, I think, is the preferred one up front now. And you've probably got Dobber and Mandeville on the wings. And then Akinola, who is our loadie from Arsenal in midfield, who's a really good driving midfielder. He's been kind of thrust into the, the centre midfield role with Mike Jones and probably Ollie Banks. So I think he'll go with like a either a 4-1-4-1 or a 4-3-3, whichever way you look at it. Dobra will dive and he'll cheat and you'll all be spitting verbals at him because he will just annoy uh, the hell out of you. And if he scores, he'll probably go and shush your crowd and stuff like that. He's an absolute red card waiting to happen, to be honest. And an absolute is one of those where you just think, oh, he's a bit of, an, bit of a plonker, to be honest. But it kind of makes the game fun. So he'll be the one to look out for, I think. He'll be up to his antics. But it should be an, it should be an interesting game. But yeah, like I say, my worry is that we get loads of possession, loads of shots, and then Paul Mullen gets one shot and it's suddenly 1-0 after 20 minutes or something like that. But who knows? So, Rich, I mean, they, you know, we Dave doesn't really know what to expect. Um, into, he's expecting that maybe if Dobra scores, they'll go and shush the tech end and try and wind everyone up. They'll be in a, they're not quite in the same position as Dawkins, but they'll be in a similar position where they'll they'll probably want to just try and frustrate the crowd. I think the crowd is the biggest factor now, Rich. I know we're all nervous and we're all wary, but if we get that place rocking, if the Kairos is rocking, then, you know, there's few fewer tough places to go in the league than um than there. So it's it's all about we've just got to keep that faith now and uh and wins help that. Absolutely. It's just a really fascinating tie that like you said, the fact that they've almost got somewhat of a free hit because they aren't expected to come to the race course and win. Their form is so bad that there is a real pressure and extra incentive on, on Wrexham to win. Whereas, as I said, with well, I wrongly predicted with that working game, I thought we'd be well up for that. And that's usually when we play our best because it's almost when we've got a point to prove that we seem to find those extra gears. It's when we're expected to win that I often find we we struggle. And yeah, Chesterfield will... Well, I mean... At the moment, we're recording this before both before the Saturday game, so Chesterfield are still fourth. They could, of course, be fifth by the time we actually meet them. Um, it's but better, it, Rich. Better players usually play better against opposition that will have a go and leave gaps. You know, so if Wrexham, if it's all Wrexham on the ball, you know, there should be players in that Chesterfield team that fancy 
the chance to get in behind, you know, a Colclough or a Mandeville or a Dobra, and vice versa. If Chesterfield start having a go and decide to go on the front foot, people like Elliot Lee, Jordan Davis, Paul Mullen, they should relish the fact that not that Scunthorpe did come and sit in, but you know, like Woking as well. There are just there have been teams this season where they've tried to camp in, sit in, and I think that's not that's not really suited a team that's looking to play expansive football and 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 that sort of thing. So I think Tuesday against Chesterfield will be will be great. But before that, we've got to go and get maximum three out of three. And I tell you what, I would just like, given the last few games have been a bit nervy, a bit kind of biting through our fingernails, I would just like a, a quote unquote comfortable win, a display where everyone goes. Right, relax, deep breath. Whew, you know, um, we're, we're we're all right. We're not. We're not because the longer it goes on, kind of stuttering, the more that will, in my opinion, the more that will just conjure up more nerves going into the ground before a ball's even been kicked. So, you, know, you want the atmosphere rocking. I, I know maybe next season. I think there's a group of fans that are working on getting tifos and and all sorts of stuff to try and um, improve the atmosphere. I don't know where they're at with that. Twelfth man, I think they're called. Um, and they were doing some fundraising for that. So if you're involved in that, let us know. Um, but yeah, Tuesday night light, Tuesday night lights, Rich against Chesterfield. I think will be an absolute belter. Absolutely, Alan. Yeah, we shall see what what lies ahead. I suppose, and whatever does lie ahead, we will be back next week on Rob Brown Red to dissect it all. And which is almost a cliche in the catchphrase now. Look ahead to another big <laughs> week because the games are coming thick and fast. There's so much on the horizon. Of course, after we play Chesterfield, it will be the 1-2 against Maidenhead, which is the Saturday night on TV. And then Dagnar I'll wins. be there. It's, I'll be there. Maidenhead. That, that's for next week's podcast. We can't sort of dissect that now, but it really is grueling and gruesome. And hopefully, you know... We'll we'll see you on the other side, I suppose. Is the well, Rich. Sort of let me let before we go. Before we go, let me read you this. Uh, Mole two six one two has left us a review, five stars, and you can leave us a review if you'd like. We'd very much appreciate it. He's put a must listen for all town fans. Super pod. I've been listening since episode one. Thank you. What was? I feel like episode one had mini eggs in the title. Were we talking about mini eggs? Maybe. Yeah, it was like. I think if you go all the way back. It was, draws or score draws and many eggs. It was this sort of time. Something like that. It was, it was, we were just finding our way. So we put, been listening to episode one, both Nathan Rich are funny. That's very nice. Knowledgeable and informative. They have good contacts in the league and the industry and always include interviews with opposition fans and podcasters. We've given you two of those today. And local journalists. Episodes have a relaxed tone, plenty of jokes and banter, uh, while still keeping fans up to date with all the key goings on in the football club. That is very nice. Thank you, uh, Mole2612, for that review. Um... And you can, yeah, leave us a rating on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, follow us on Twitter. What are we on? Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Facebook. wherever, wherever you... Facebook? I think we're, 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 we're on most places, aren't we? Twitter mainly, but we're, we're all over the place. And if you see Rich or myself at a game, uh, say hello. I'll be at Maidenhead and... Well, I'm trying to. If anyone's got a spare for Chesterfield, let me know. I'm without a ticket and eager to go. So, if anyone has a spare, let me know by the time this is out. But, Rich, see us out because it's another week, another podcast in the can, 107. And whatever happens, like I said, we will be back again next week. So, thank you very much to podcast sponsors, Red 10 People Development. Without them, we just simply wouldn't be able to keep this podcast coming to you every single week. And once again, a big shout out and thank you to Wrexham-based band Hypnotic for the music, the stings that we play in the podcast. As always, you can find their links 
in the podcast description. So thank you very much. Back the boys, make some noise. See you again next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.